0: Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and welcome to chapter six of our reading guide of Vladimir Lenin's imperialism, the highest stage of capitalism. Um, This this chapter is called Division of the World Amongst Great Powers, in which uh, Lenin is going to lay out how imperialism and how imperialist wars are going to happen after the world has already been divided all the way up. So countries are no longer expanding into what Lenin calls new territories. They're now fighting for the territories and the colonies that they already have against each other. Um, and I think Lenin's analysis here kind of misses the fact that most of these places being colonized and being uh, becoming territories of the great powers already. Already had people here. They already had societies and civilizations that were destroyed and put under brutal colonial exploitation um, to help the enrichment of of the first world. And Lenin saying. Um, these countries just expanded. They just took these territories that previously didn't belong to anyone, but they did belong to people. They belong to, it belonged to indigenous people who in Latin America and in Africa were thrown into basically slavery and, and brutal colonial exploitation. But Lenin's going to talk about how now that these colonies are owned by the great imperialist powers, the United States, Japan, Germany, the UK, and then to a lesser degree, Portugal and Belgium. Now these countries are going to fight amongst themselves for these colonies. And that's what the Spanish American War was, where the U.S. seized Guam, Cuba, and uh, Puerto Rico from the Spanish. Uh, that's what World War One was, where all these countries were basically pulled into a war um, based around uh, uh, fights and divisions over capitalist expansion, divisions amongst the ruling class. Um, and Lenin's going to lay out uh, totally how that happened. So he he shows graphs and tables. Um, showing the increase of territorial expansion into Polynesia, uh, Asia, Africa. Sorry, not graphs, just tables. Um, and, and most of these, uh, pla- and now these places have been fully colonized. Um, in the 1860s, he'll say they're you know only part of. Uh, Asia, Africa, and Polynesia were colonized, and by the time, uh, by the turn of the century, by the 1900s, almost all of it had been colonized and had become a territory of one great power or another. And and all the great powers were expanding at this time. Um, and he goes into how Japan and Germany and the U.S. had developed very quickly and at high levels of finance capital, so they were seizing a lot of territories, taking a lot of colonies. Um, and and Lenin continues to talk about how um how imperialism is just a a a symptom of capitalism right it's not something that happens by accident so he addresses the political field and he shows uh, multiple british politicians who in the 1950s were opposed to imperialism right when you kind of had this free stage i mean sorry free trade stage of capitalism but after the monopolies developed in the late 1800s, during the 1900s, as um, finance capital continued to expand and continued to divide up the global south amongst uh, these great powers, these British politicians switched their position. and now, They now supported colonialism in order to keep the UK rich because the political sphere what's happening in politics is nothing but a reflection of what's happening in the economic sphere right so if finance capital doesn't need to expand and they don't need colonies um, the British the British politicians aren't going to care too much about the colonies and in fact at one point. Um, I can't remember the exact British politician, but he called the colonies a millstone around the neck of, of Britain, right? It was weighing them down. But then by the, um, by the 1900s, he totally supported it because finance capital needed these territories to keep the profits of capitalists high. And, and the political sphere is just a reflection of what the ruling class you know, in the economy wants. Um, and Lenin's going to point that out. And, and of course, that still happens today. And there, he also quotes a journalist. I mean, of course, that's still happening today. You know, our politics are a reflection of the economic sphere. Um, and he, Lenin quotes a journalist in the UK who was witnessing unemployment strikes and all the unemployed people in the UK. And the journalist says, imperialism is the only way to imprint uh, prevent civil war. So basically, um, the capitalists are going to need to go into the global south and plunder these places in order to keep their capital high enough to keep the people from rioting. That's um, what they decide, um, which builds Lenin's argument um, here that that this is a symptom. Imperialism is a symptom of capitalism. And as long as you have private property and as, as long as you allow um, capitalists to monopolize themselves and, and you have uh, private ownership of the means of production. Those private owners are going to look to expand their capital overseas and they'll do so by any means necessary. And the politicians are going to go right along with it. And Lenin's been a lot right about that. So, um, uh, he goes over more tables talking about the increase of colonies that belong to Japan, Europe, and the U S. Um, and he also addresses here the argument that, uh, Um, imperialism and colonization happened prior to capitalism. So like the Roman empire, right? But he just says, this is a ridiculous comparison because it's not, that's not even what we're saying, right? We're not saying that capitalism is the only mode of production that can have imperialism, right? We're saying imperialism is just, um a function of capitalism and here's the form it takes the form is finance capital right these these huge capitalists who own huge sectors of industry tied together with the banks who expand their capital overseas to maximize profit that's not what the roman empire was okay i mean that is not why the romans expanded it wasn't for finance capital the form is different um if lenin says if you try and compare the uk you know, Great Britain to Great Rome—it makes no sense because the the economic the mode of production was different, right? They didn't even have capitalism; they had, um, you know, <laughs> they had like rulers. Uh, I don't even know what you'd call there's some sort of uh, feudal system. You know, it was totally different, and and that's why you can't compare this. And Lenin's not making the argument that capitalism is the only system that produces imperialism. He's arguing how imperialism happens under capitalism, which is through finance capital. All right. So, um, and he says capitalist imperialism is the search for monopolies for new raw materials. Right. And and the form of imperialism has kind of changed since Lenin, but it's still the same, right? Like Elon Musk needs to keep the profits of Tesla high. So he goes and does a coup in Bolivia in order to get their lithium, their natural resources. But think about it. Is it really Elon Musk? Right. He got the blame for that because Elon Musk went out on Twitter. And he said, we'll coup whoever we want, deal with it. But then he deleted that because all Elon Musk essentially is, is PR for Tesla, right? And when he tweets that, he's taking the mask off for what Tesla does, which is lobby politicians and say, hey, can you go overthrow this socialist leader in Bolivia? He's talking about nationalizing the lithium. Tesla needs that lithium elon musk probably doesn't have as much to do with it you know there's tons of stockholders tons of executive tons of people behind the scenes at tesla who make the whole corporation go as far as capitalist expansion right and as far as controlling the state department to do tesla's will overseas and elon musk at this point is basically just the pr guy you know so he kind of took the mask off and said oh we'll cool whoever we want just because he's trying to be goofy on social media um in reality this is just a function of the system right of course um, if Bolivia tries to nationalize their lithium mines and that cuts in on, uh, fi- on the profits that U.S. corporations can make, of course our government's going to step in. And of course, um, stockholders and wealthy people in the U.S. are going to lobby the government to step in and are going to put pressure on the government to step in and are going to put pressure on the media to publish stuff about how Bolivia is an evil dictatorship that needs to be overthrown. And that's just how these things work. You know, uh, the, the division of the world is for finance capital. And, and like Lenin talks about how, uh, World War I, and the Spanish-American War where these great powers are fighting over colonies, but post-World War II imperialism kind of takes a different character, right? You have um, the Soviet Union rises as the second most powerful economy in the world, Um, and China's also Marxist and they're on the rise, and then you have the U.S. as this giant capitalist superpower. Um, they entered the war late. They didn't take nearly the casualties of Europe. No fighting actually happened on U.S. soil like it did in the Soviet Union in Europe. So the U.S. is set up in this position of great power, and they want to continue this form of capitalist expansion. And the Soviet Union is trying to make alliances all over the world saying, no, we need to build a different system, a system called socialism that won't have um, imperialist expansion as a product of it. And you get the U.S. and the USSR are locked in this battle that we now know as the Cold War. And then in the 1991, or in 1991, as the USSR falls, um, colonialism changes its shape again. You know, and now you have the U.S. Um, essentially with free reign to do whatever they want. To use the IMF and the World Bank to lower prices, so that labor prices are uh, are really low, labor costs are really low. Um, they can remove trade deals so that they can keep labor costs low in the global south and import uh, goods for free that they <clears throat> have built with cheap labor overseas. They can continue to use the CIA um, as a way to open up different um, different places for them to. Uh, er- they can use the cia to destabilize governments who go against us capital interests, and this is essentially what's happened and now you have china in in uh 2020 trying to come up with a way to combat that right trying to do their belt road plan um China's in zero wars right now I know people say China's doing socialist imperialism and I'm giving a little bit of opinion here because you know if you look at David Harvey's um breakdown of capital he gives anti-China opinion so I'm allowed to give a little pro-China opinion here you know China's developing these places that the U.S has been destroying you know and these countries who have taken out disastrous loans with the IMF and the World Bank who are tools of private capital used to keep you know uh keep uh, austerity and and free market neoliberal policies imposed on the global south. Um, uh, these countries who have taken out loans with them previously are now taking out loans with China based on development. And that's to create kind of a, a force against the US in the world uh, to battle our policy of colonial expansion. And that's kind of where the US is at now, which you could argue is still a continuation of what Lenin was talking about in this, right, you know, kind of a battle between countries um, to control the world, but you could argue that Lenin or you could argue that China wants those countries, uh, to expand their own private capital, or you could argue they're trying to, um, create a new ideological system, Marxism, um, uh, based on, a or, you know, where we'll live in a post-imperialist world where this kind of imperialism for financial expansion won't happen. You know, that's the dream. Hopefully that happens. But at this point, the U S empire is still very powerful. Um, we've remained, uh, the world's superpower since world war II. Um, that may change, uh, but it's important to keep an eye on it. And it's important to understand, um, the character of capitalist imperialism that, that Lenin lays out here, right? These things happen for finance capital. They don't happen because John Bolton's really mean, you know, as much as I love to crap all over George Bush, they didn't, ha- uh, the war in Iraq didn't happen just cause Bush was an idiot. You know, no, the, the war was very deliberate. He did it on purpose. It was to, um, gain more raw materials for the Koch brothers and other oil, oil oligarchs in america you know afghanistan was for opium saffron raw materials um it's all for capitalist expansion and if you don't know that it's hard to make an accurate analysis of what's going on in the world so shout out to lenin all right thank you everybody for watching i hope you enjoyed chapter six of lenin's imperialism i'll be back with chapter seven hopefully soon have a great day